Coming up on Studios America, John Ziegler shares what he's learned about the media in the past decade while investigating Penn State. Colin Kaepernick's Netflix series continues to hit embarrassing and new lows. And liberals everywhere are racing to prove that they have the dumbest takes on things they clearly can't understand. So let's do the left's Rittenhouse Meltdown. Stu does America. Oh, man, what a dramatic day in court today. Oh, I mean, you couldn't believe what happened when they kept talking for hours and hours about how the iPhone's Zoom feature works. Which, wow, you want to talk about riveting courtroom action. I can't wait to go to CrimeCon next year and see an entire session on how to pinch and zoom in a courtroom. We're going to get into that, I'm sure, for hours and hours coming up. I may have to do extra shows all about the pinch and zoom feature. It's kind of, it was a weird day today. They, they spend a lot of time talking about that. But the defense is on the verge of arresting uh, their case in the Rittenhouse uh, trial. Uh, you know, we've been talking about this all week. Obviously, uh, there's absolutely no justification for this to even be going on at all, let alone him be, to be convicted. There's obviously a chance that he will be convicted, though I, I do think it's very small. And I think the real possibility of, of a conviction comes from the idea of a person, uh, maybe um, uh, an entire jury, sitting there and thinking, you know, I really didn't like when our city almost burned to the ground last time, and I don't want it to burn to the ground again. So even though I don't believe that Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty, I got to be tempted to go and say that he is, because at least then maybe our city won't burn down this week. That is a, I mean, it's terrorism is what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrorism. It's people being terrified uh, to make all sorts of terrible judgments. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think the American justice system usually pulls these things out of the fire. Uh, no pun intended at the last minute. We'll see how this goes. Now, of course, this would not be how it goes if uh, LeBron James were in charge, because LeBron James is reflexively wrong on everything. He, can't, he doesn't have to think about it. His instinct is just to be wrong on everything. Here is his tweet. He says, uh, after someone, uh, USA Today, posted a, a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse crying, he said, what tears? I didn't see one. Man, knock it off. That boy ate some lemon heads before walking into court. Crying emoji, laughing, crying and laughing emoji, and then one more crying and laughing emoji. Well, a couple things bother me about this tweet. Number one, uh, lemon heads are candy. They don't make you cry. They are delicious and people eat them for pleasure. So I don't know why lemon heads would have anything to do with this. Yes, they might be sour, but they don't make you cry unless you're a wuss, which of course LeBron is. As we've seen over and over again, he cries anytime anyone even brushes his uniform in the middle of a game. He has been carried off the court because he had cramps. This is a guy who continually, despite being one of the most fit athletes in modern history, is constantly flopping to the ground from when you watch the replay, seems like wind. Wind just blows this guy over. He is famous for his flopping over and over again in game after game after game. So the fact that he's mocking someone else for fake crying is rich, and a lot of people uh, really did notice it. But... It's just his instinct, right? His instinct is to see a person who is 17 years old, now just turning 18, who is involved in a terrible situation. Whether you think he was guilty or not, or he did something wrong or not, this is a kid 
who was involved in having to shoot multiple people um, or have himself uh, be murdered or at least beaten to a bloody pulp. That is uh, reliving that that life experience in front of millions of people is something that might overwhelm you with emotion. That's not a crazy outcome from what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. And yet LeBron James thought it was appropriate to mock. Uh, He also, of course, famously tweeted, you're next, uh, and put the picture of an officer up um, with absolutely no information about what happened. And he was mocked relentlessly there. That one I think he had to delete. I don't think he's deleted the, the Rittenhouse thing yet. But LeBron, and by the way, you can get your t-shirt at don'tbealebron.com. It says, don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. Because LeBron is now synonymous with idiocy. That's who he is. That's who he's always been. He's an idiot. And he continues to prove that on a daily basis. However, he's not the only idiot out there. And there's something that you see happening in our society and in our media that is really a problem here. Uh, It's really... uh, a disturbing trend. Uh, let me give you this from Hakeem Jeffries. This is just a, not that long ago. He uh, on uh, June 29th, 2020, he says end mass incarceration, defund the prison industrial complex. And luckily, they did not do that. The prison industrial complex still exists because he needed to be in place for his next tweet from the other day. Lock up Kyle Rittenhouse and throw away the key. Now, I don't know where they would lock him up if that prison industrial complex was defunded, but I guess we'll have to ask Hakeem on that particular question. Ayanna Presley will not say if she regrets calling Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist domestic terrorist. Now, this white supremacist, Kyle Rittenhouse, um, is terrible at his white supremacy because uh, I, my understanding is the last thing you want to do is kill white people if you're a white supremacist. But that's what he, uh, that's what he did. So... Not exactly sure how that works, but if Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist, he's a terrible white supremacist, and he needs to learn from some from some smarter ones because apparently uh, he's not very good at it. Joy Behar was mocking Rittenhouse's tears, saying it was one of the worst acting jobs I've ever seen. Not an ounce of empathy for uh, a kid who, look, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was not there to kill as many people as possible. He had the gun the whole night, wasn't shooting people the whole night, only shot someone when they attacked him and grabbed his weapon, only shot someone when they ran at him, hit him uh, with a skateboard, Uh, a guy who jumped through the air and, and, and kicked him in the head while he was on the ground, someone who pointed a gun at him. Those were the people that were shot, and in fact, In the case, as we've explained, and and we have the entire uh, frame-by-frame analysis up at Stu Does America on Twitter. You can check it out there. It's on Facebook as well. And uh, luckily, it's been shared a lot of times because people need to know what the truth is here. But one of the guys, the last guy uh, who came up, Grosskreitz, who came up to him, he pointed his gun at Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse uh, had a bigger gun, (laughs) which made Grosskreitz put his hands up. When he put his hands up, Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse lowered his gun. It wasn't until Grosskreitz then tried to uh, move and uh, attack him from the side and grab his gun that he was shot. Kyle Rittenhouse had another person run up to him, try to attack him, saw his gun. They stopped, so he stopped and did not fire on that person. We know without a shadow of a doubt, he stopped when his attackers stopped. 
He was trying to defend himself. And that is a right that does not come from Kenosha, does not come from Wisconsin. It does not come from the federal government. And I know it it might feel like it does, but it doesn't. It does not come from the Constitution. These rights come directly from God. The Constitution can state that, but it's only stating a previous truth that already existed. You, as a human being, have the right to defend yourself. That is a right that comes from God, not from government. And people want to forget that. You know, um, what I, I think you see here as we're going through all of this is that the left hitched its wagon to a narrative in minute one. In minute one of this case, the second we, er- we learned that it happened, it was a white supremacist, it was a domestic terrorist, it was a guy who was out there just to shoot uh, uh, black people. And all these things, as they were disproved one by one, there's absolutely no evidence that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist or is any indication that uh, any of that existed. And honestly, you know, when you're being attacked, even if he was a white supremacist, he would also have the right to defend himself, though he would, he would not be as, uh, I don't think he would have as uh, uh, a, good, a, a good case to uh, win over the hearts and minds of the American people. But like you have a situation where the media and the left hitched its wagon to this idea that he was a white supremacist on day one, and they cannot let it go, despite the fact that we have witness after witness after witness, even on the side of the prosecution who say he was being attacked when he fired. We have video from multiple angles that show exactly what happened. We broke it down for you on this program. We broke it down for you on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, Thankfully, we had real reporters there doing their jobs, uh, people who would be associated with conservative media, because all the people from the big networks, all the people on the left, they went home. They didn't want you to see any of it. Thankfully, we have video of this because if we didn't, Kyle Rittenhouse would fry for this. If it wasn't for those reporters being there, Kyle Rittenhouse would fry for this because no one would believe a word he said because the media would tell you he was a white supremacist and that would be the end of it. It doesn't matter how many times you say the opposite is true. We know to this day, millions of people believe Michael Brown said, hands up, don't shoot. Millions of people believe that, despite the fact that we know the opposite is true. And how do we know it? There wasn't video in that case. The only reason we know that didn't happen and that we can honestly know that it didn't happen, not just the word of the police, but because of African-American eyewitnesses who came forward and said it was Michael Brown charging at the officer. Over and over and over again, we are reliant on absolute crystal clear proof to prove someone's innocence when it's supposed to be the opposite. It's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. And that's just not the way our legal system works right now. We are at that point where um, these narratives get bought into and people can't back off of them. And what's fascinating about this is, you know, we see problems all the time. We talk about them all the time. And I'm, I'm, Pretty quick to point out, sometimes conservatives uh, do the same things that liberals do, but on different issues. They take the different side. They lock themselves into arguments. We all do that at times, and we try not to. I know on this show we try to make sure it never happens, but 
we're human beings, right? It, this stuff happens. Maybe you do get blinded occasionally to issues. But I mean, I want to point out the very big difference between the left and the right here uh, today on this particular issue. Right now, we have conservatives who are saying Kyle Rittenhouse clearly is guilt is, is innocent, and the left is saying Kyle Rittenhouse is clearly guilty. At the same time, the Ahmad Arbery case is going on, and I don't see lots of conservatives stepping up and saying, "Gosh, that, what, what he de- he got what he deserved. Uh, that was a that was a really wonderful incident, and that justice was served." You know, like we seem to be looking at these incidents and saying, "Okay, this one." is good this one is bad here this one on the merits is one way this one on the merits is the other way the left isn't doing that they're not making decisions based on the merits they're not trying to follow legal process they want what they want and they're going to take it if you don't give it to them and of course it's up to us to make sure that the the facts are actually known and uh and we can disprove these narratives i mean we've seen this over and over again nicholas sandman was the same thing if it wasn't for the video in that case video that existed of of the moments before that incident the media would have been able to run with the idea that this is just some white supremacist uh, guy this is not the way this is supposed to go i want to go through a a few minutes of the trial uh coming up and, uh, and give you some of the highlights of how idiotic how idiotic the prosecution has been in this case. We'll go through that in a couple of minutes, but I want to take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll, uh, we've got a, a bunch of other things to cover today. So we'll make sure to get to that here in a little bit. Everybody loves getting something for nothing. I know I do, but what if, the free email service you're using, like Gmail, Yahoo, what if they're not really free? You pay with your privacy. You pay with your information. Uh, big tech companies are banking on exploiting your data and selling it to the highest bidder. Uh, you know, your business plan, if it's on Google Docs, that Google has it. Your medical records, you know, Yahoo can sell them to the drug companies. Who knows what's going on? When you delete an email, uh, is it really deleted? Maybe not with some of these services. Startmail, though, is different. When you delete an email on Startmail, it's gone forever. When you switch to Startmail, uh, it's nice and easy, seamless process. You can easily transfer your current email data. No starting from scratch. Your cybersecurity has never been more at risk than it is now. We know that not only hackers and such, but also big companies are doing this. Um, Startmail can protect you from all this nonsense. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today. You'll get 50% off your first year. Isn't your privacy worth it? Go to startmail.com slash stew, S-T-A-R-T-M-A-I-L.com slash stew. You get 50% off your first year right now. Startmail.com slash stew. Check it out. Why did you feel that you uh, should go around off the 59th Street car source property and put out fires. <laughs> to make sure my community didn't get burnt down and help. And when you say your community, you mean Kenosha? Yes. Again, you're from Antioch. You're not living in Kenosha at this time when this all happens, right? My dad lives in Kenosha. Lots of people in Kenosha, but you didn't, right? Oh. My residence was in Antioch. Okay. But you felt like you wanted to do things to protect this community. Fair? The community that I was part of, yes. <laughs> I mean, this is... Uh, you, so uh, your dad lived in... My dad lived in Kenosha. Oh, lots of people live in Kenosha, but you didn't. 
I mean, he lived a few minutes away. Like, if your dad was in the middle of a, a, a community that was being burned to the ground, you, you might think that you want to go help it. These are not crazy things. This is the level of questioning that was has been going on this entire week. They have nothing. I mean, I, I've never heard dumber points made by a prosecution. I don't even know what they're going for in most of these cases. Let me give you this one. Uh, there's a moment where this guy uh, in yellow pants, bright yellow pants, you, you'd never forget him if you saw him. He, uh, he says something to, uh, Kyle, uh, to Kyle Rittenhouse about, hey, you pointed your gun at me before. And Kyle says he didn't do that. But, you know, he just kind of like blows him off and says, uh, yeah, I did. You know, kind of in a sarcastic manner. Um, that leads to this bizarre exchange. He accuses you of that here. He does. And you tell him basically, yeah, I did point the gun at you, right? I, I shrugged it off and said, I, yeah, I did sarcastically, meaning I didn't, but I just didn't want a confrontation. So I was like, I did and walked away. Why did you lie to him? <laughs> I didn't lie to him. I was, I was using sarcasm. <laughs> the words you said, yeah, I did. Those weren't true, were they? Your Honor, this is ridiculous. We're now fighting over sarcasm. This is a murder. <laughs> Come on, I mean, seriously. Um, I, I, I said it sarcastically. Why did you lie to him? I didn't lie to him. I was using sarcasm. The words you said, they weren't true, though. Yeah, that's what sarcasm is. Like if I were to say, hey, Mr. Prosecutor, you're doing a really good job with this trial. That would not mean I was lying. It would mean I was being sarcastic because you've effed this up uh, to all uh, all the way to hell is what you've done. Um, let me give you another one. And uh, there's I could give you these all day. These are all there's 100 examples like this of this guy coming up with the dumbest points you've ever heard in your entire life. Here's another. This is uh, Kyle Rittenhouse talking about why he had his gun at this moment in time. You don't think there's a hostile crowd, you're there to help people, and yet you're gonna run out there with the AR-15. I don't understand why you, you felt that you were gonna be in danger if you're out in a friendly, what you think is a friendly crowd, helping them. I didn't, I didn't say I didn't think they were hostile, I didn't think they were hostile towards us. Okay, so they're not hostile to you and you're gonna go help them. Why do you need the gun when you go out there? Uh. Um, I, I need the gun because if I had to protect myself because somebody attacked me. Why would you think anybody would do that? I don't know. But you clearly planned on it. You were prepared for it. You thought it was going to happen. No, I didn't. That's the whole reason you brought the gun, isn't it? I brought the gun to protect myself. Exactly. Because you thought you personally were going to be in danger, right? Not necessarily. I don't understand. How can you not understand? He brought the gun to prepare himself because he didn't know what might happen. And thank God he did or he'd be dead. What do you mean? I, uh, you know what? When I drove here today, I did not think I was going to get in a car accident. But you know what I did? I have car insurance anyway. This is not a mysterious idea you have the gun to protect yourself in case the worst case happens that doesn't mean you think it's going to happen obviously if you think you're going to be killed you just don't go but you protect yourself in case things go wrong 
anybody who happened to be watching the news coverage of these particular events might often see over and over and over again people getting shot, people getting killed, burning, buildings burning down, people getting beaten over and over again, whether they were there to help or there to harm. All sorts of terrible things happened, which is, by the way, the reason he needed to go there in the first place to protect this business and this property. It's the reason why he was there with medical supplies, because obviously people were being hurt at events like this. You can disagree with his decision to go down there, but I don't think you can properly understand it uh, without putting in context the violence that had gone in similar events all around the country leading up to those moments. And here, this is why I keep coming back to this point over and over again. Yes, he very well might get acquitted here. He may walk out and everyone's going to realize, obviously, this, this was an idiotic uh, trial and they had nothing the whole time. And that is true. But that is not enough. The fact that they've tortured this guy over when we had video, when we had witnesses this entire time. The fact that he was put into jail, the fact that he was his name was dragged through the mud by the media. All of this is torturous to this guy who, while you might not agree with his initial decision to go, clearly in the moment acted like anyone would when they were being attacked. And this is a point that I want to highlight from Brian Kaplan, because he points out that this is not just about whether you go to prison or not. There are major problems when you turn over a legal system to Twitter, when the legal system, when any accusation could lead to torture to a person, whether they're innocent or guilty, months, years, thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. As Ryan writes, if a plaintiff or a prosecutor ever realizes you're alive and decides to make you suffer, your innocence will not save you from a world of pain. So if you're trying to buy or sell a home in these times, you know how challenging it can be. I mean, you never know when your city might just burn to the ground and your house among it. So first of all, make sure you get insurance. You want to make sure you're insured for something like that. But you also need to make sure you're getting a house in a neighborhood where hopefully that's not going to happen. Uh, hopefully you're buying a home that you're going to love for years and years and years. Your family is going to grow old in, that you're going to be able to hand down at some point. You want to make sure this this process is the process that leads you to happiness in your home. The American dream, a big part of that is owning your own home. Well, realestateagentsitrust.com is a company that can help make this a reality for you and can make it happen on your terms, the best terms possible. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a company Glenn started years ago to make sure that people could get the, the, you know, the right sort of transaction done. You, do, you, know, you want to do business with a handshake, uh, and these are people that you could do that with. I'd also have them sign documents, and that, that will happen as well. But you want to have people that you could trust to actually get the job done with a handshake and someone you know that you can trust, someone you can believe in, someone who's been screened, not just taken off some weird ad on a bench. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place to go to find that person in your area. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's bring in John Ziegler. He's the senior columnist for Mediaite, and his newest piece is after 10 years of investigating the Penn State scandal. Here is what the case taught me in the, about the modern media. I'll tweet out a link to it here uh, shortly. John, thanks for coming back on the show. 
Stu, always great to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you've worked, and we've talked to you about all of your hard work on this case for many, many years now. Um, But your new column, even if you don't care about the Penn State scandal, right? You you think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's long, it's old news, and you don't care about sports, whatever your reason. You've been able to highlight a lot of things about the media and the way it works that apply to everything. I mean, we were just talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. I think it applies there. Uh, It applies to COVID. It applies to so many stories that we see now. And one of the things you focus on here is how important those first moments are after a big breaking story. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and I totally agree, uh, Stu, both with the Kyle Rittenhouse and especially with regard to COVID. I, frankly, uh, it's not difficult to see when you read the, the column that I'm implying some connections to COVID throughout this. Because, and in fact, I believe I kind of had a cheat sheet when COVID came around because of my very, very deep dive into the Penn State story. I, I will, I think now forevermore, refer to the Penn State story is the first let's go Brandon media story <laughs> because once those first few days happened and once back, you know, 10 years ago this week, the news media became deeply and I mean deeply invested emotionally as well as professionally in a narrative that I think you would agree because we've talked about this before. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And they did so based upon no actual facts. In fact, almost everything we learned over the last 10 years has proven that what we thought we knew, what the media told us was the case 10 years ago when we got involved in this massive moral panic when Jerry Sandusky was arrested for child sex abuse charges and then Joe Paterno was fired and president of Penn State, Graham Spanier was fired. This all happened in a very, very short period of time. Almost everything we have learned about those supposed facts has indicated that those facts were either totally not true or at the very least, greatly distorted. And I have come to the conclusion after many years of investigating this, knowing more about this case than anybody on the planet, that everything we thought we knew about this case was wrong, that it's all upside down. The good guys were the bad guys, the bad guys were the good guys, and that there was no child sex abuse at Penn State, and it's not even close. But to more directly answer your question, those first few days are critical, because once the news media, especially liberals, get deeply emotionally invested, and professionally invested, there's no going back because no one, Stu, ever admits they were wrong. And the bigger the story, the more at risk, the less chance there is that they will admit they were wrong. You know, a couple of stories that are like this got corrected. Duke Lacrosse, I would put Jussie Smollett into this category. By the way, they barely got corrected. And they only got corrected because the media had no choice It was so overwhelming, the evidence, and they didn't put all their chips down on this one, on Penn State. They put all their chips down on COVID. They put all their chips down. And that is why those first few days are so critical, because it is so much easier to dupe somebody, especially in the media, than it is to convince them that they were duped, because it's not in their self-interest. They would rather just go along with this make-believe fairy tale narrative which is why I use the let's go Brandon phrase, which I think is so apt for the nature of the modern news media. 
You know, and before we move on to the next thing, I want to make sure people are pointed to your podcast. Uh, uh, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, you go through tons and tons of interviews, exclusive interviews on the Penn State story specifically. I mean, and it has changed a lot of minds. I mean, you mentioned in the story of Malcolm Gladwell, who wrote a chapter in his book about your reporting, really. Um, and, you know, it's uh, people, I, if they haven't followed the story, they might not know that entire arc, and it's important that they do. Um, but I want to hit on... Where, how do you fight back against this? Because I know as someone who tries to deal in facts, and I did this with Kyle Rittenhouse, I wasn't reflexively saying, oh my gosh, this guy's a hero and he's innocent from second one. I wanted to know what actually happened to judge it. But before you get the facts to judge it, the narrative is already set. So how do you fight back against this? In, in my column, which you referred to at media, I, I one of the many bullet points that I use about things I've learned over the last 10 years, thanks to the Penn State case, is exactly what you just stated. You know, there's a, an old phrase that's been attributed to Winston Churchill and Mark Twain. So who knows what's who said it? But a, a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth can get its pants on. And what, what I learned in the Penn State case and what you just articulated with Kyle Rittenhouse is that on very controversial, what I would call third rail cases, you know, where, where there's uh, uh, two sides of a story and people are very hesitant to be on the side that looks bad. You, know, you don't want to be pro-child abuse or you don't want to be pro-COVID or you don't want to be pro-killing innocent people. Right. So so no one wants to take that position. So the threshold for taking that is much higher. So you have to wait for the facts to come in. Those people who don't wait for the facts to come in, they just jump on the narrative that feels good to them and or fits their agenda. They have a massive advantage. If this is a race, they are way out ahead. That's the lie going halfway around the world before the truth can get their pants on. I wish I had an answer to this. <laughs> my my uh, goal here is to is to simply tell people this is a massive problem and that to not rush to judgment and that when something is incredibly explosive emotionally and when it's a subject matter that inherently would cause people to be hesitant to jump in on one side, even if that's their inclination to do so, please hold on. Hold on. You know, we used to in this country, Stu, we used to wait until there were trials before we came to conclusions. Now there's an allegation and we automatically figure out who's on what side, what narrative we like. I mean, I always go back to I'm living here in, in the Los Angeles area. Even Rodney King, they waited until after the trial to have the riots. Now we have the riots first. <laughs> And we wait for the truth late, later. I mean, it, that, I don't understand what the rush is, but the rush is because the modern media is so broken that if it doesn't happen today, it doesn't matter. And social media is, is basically putting gasoline on this fire because in social media, it's all about popularity. It's all about going viral. And the reality is that you, you cannot defeat a simple lie with a complex truth on social media, especially when it's unpopular, because popularity is the coin of the realm when it comes to media in general and social media. It's not true. Yeah, I mean, that's a very well stated. I, you know, there's another case relatively recently that happened over COVID where, you know, a woman was walking her dog in the dog park in New York. A guy filmed her. She seemed to be saying a black man is coming to get me. 
And it seemed to be this racist moment when when the full investigation was done. She's already moved out of the country because her life is destroyed. But we find out the actual truth that this guy was harassing people in the park regularly. Tons of people had had problems with the same guy. We have the 911 tape that kind of disproves the entire narrative. And it's just it, it, it's it goes out of control. It destroys people's lives. And I think because we are too much of a collectivist society and not enough of an individualist society, we don't seem to care about those individual lives that get destroyed. We have these big narratives about race or uh, homophobia or gender, whatever it is. And we let those narratives wash over these actual people's lives who wind up getting destroyed. Stu, what I would go even one step further in going back to the Penn State case, I believe a lot of what drove that story is it made people feel good, especially in the news media, to think that the legendary Joe Paterno was not only not worthy of his pedestal, he was actually worse than the average guy. He would cover up for child sex abuse mm. to try to protect his football program, even though that story made no damn sense. And what I would say to people is, and you, you just mentioned one that make, made, didn't make a lot of sense. If a story doesn't make sense on a gut level, then ask questions, because almost always there's going to be a problem. And the more it doesn't make sense and the more the other side's story uh, either doesn't make sense or they can't even tell it. I mean, one of the things I've always said about the Penn State case is I'm the only one on the planet willing to tell an entire story <laughs> that even try. Mine makes perfect sense. The other side doesn't even try to tell a story because they can't. So unless they can tell a story that makes total sense and unless the math adds up, trust your instincts. Life usually isn't that dramatic. <laughs> Life is actually quite boring. And oftentimes what seems like a remarkable event really wasn't, especially in this era where we can take things out of context, they go viral, we get invested in a narrative, there's no looking back and there's no incentive for anyone to fix it. And you know, Kyle Rittenhouse at least had one thing going for him because of the nature of his allegation, the right or conservative media and or populace in this country had an incentive to rally around his cause. Without that, he's gone. And in many of these other stories, there is not a tribe that is naturally wedded towards uh, embracing or defending somebody. And that's when you're really in trouble. And that's what happened in the Penn State case. Yeah, you know, and I think you hit on in the in the story, the thing, one of the things that's bothering me most about this and maybe is the worst part about all of it is I think this is an increasing thing. And I think you nailed it in the column. This sort of stuff, this narrative setting, the social media fuel on top of it, all of this stuff, all of the other parts of this that you're describing are now affecting the legal system. This is no longer just, okay, the court of public opinion is, is affected. We're now taking people, there's absolutely no way with all the video they have in the Rittenhouse case that this should even be a trial, let alone the potential of him being guilty. It's completely absurd. It's all on video. We can all see what happened. Uh, you know, this is happening with case after case after case. You know, a, a comedian comes out and has a rant about somebody that goes to trial. There's a there's a documentary that comes out and gets a lot of social media attention. That becomes uh, another trial. We are we are ignoring the law in many of these cases to bring these uh, these people uh, to trial to make ourselves feel good. And that is like I, if this goes on, we are going down a really dark road. 
Stu, thank you so much for mentioning that. Again, this happened in spades in, in all four trials or adjudications in the Penn State case where the media does not seem to understand or care that when they create a toxicity to a story before they even know the, the facts, they influence the dynamic of the legal process at its foundations because they don't seem to understand how the legal process works. I mean, for instance, how do you get people to testify on your behalf once you become toxic? It's not, it's not possible. And so we're very dangerously close to basically, you know, Roman Colosseum times where the populace decides thumbs up or thumbs down, only this time we do it on Twitter. That's not what this country was founded on. It's incredibly dangerous. And it's not an exaggeration to say we are really, really close to that right now. Uh, one last one before you go. Uh, the media, they set their narrative. They are wrong, but they just, no matter what the facts are, they can't seem to admit it. In fact, they seem incentivized to dig themselves in and never change their mind on these stories, even when the, the, the evidence is incredibly clear. Is there anything we could take from the Penn State story that can lead us in a path to to, is it just you know creating competing media sources? Is it giving voices you know more attention to voices like yours that are talking about this? What what can we do? Well, I mentioned at the start of this that I see a lot of parallels between the Penn State story and what happened with COVID, and you know I, I joked about this being the Let's Go Brandon story. I, I truly believe, Stu, that if a couple of the major accusers in the Penn State case came forward, held a press conference, said we lied for money, we apologize to Jerry Sandusky, the media reporting on that event would be Sandusky victims declare, let's go Brandon. That would be uh, their the media response to this. And I, I'm almost not exaggerating at all. Uh, and, and let's take this out of something that people, you know, maybe barely even remembered into, into the practical. Let's take it with regard to uh, COVID vaccines. I'm vaccinated, my wife is vaccinated. I was very, very pro-vaccine until the data started to give me doubts about how efficacious they really are. But my got two young daughters that are now going to be forced to get vaccinated here in California to stay in school. How is it that we are possibly still living under the narrative that when you get vaccinated, you are not able to uh, get or transfer this virus? This is like a six month old narrative that is dead. I mean, it's been destroyed by numerous studies and all sorts of data, yet the left won't let go of it to the point where we're going to force young children to get vaccinated when they don't even need it. That's real world insanity that comes about because of what we're talking about. Mm, uh, amazing stuff. Uh, after 10 years of investigating the Penn State scandal, here is what the case taught me about the modern media lessons about really every story you see uh, in the media today from uh, John Ziegler. John, uh, where can people find you? Well, I do urge people to check out our podcast with the benefit of hindsight, because people who don't even care about this story think it's the best podcast they've ever listened to. It's an extraordinarily epic journey into real journalism. You'll learn a lot about the world, a lot about humanity and a lot about the news media. So check that out. That's where I would I would ask people to go. John, thanks so much. Thank you. Allow me to tell you a story of a few idiots. Uh, we talked about LeBron James already, and we know this. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. You should know that. Um, another person who sucks, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. Uh, NancyPelosiSucksPen.com. They're in stock for Christmas. You should know about that. Another idiot, and let me give you this. This is, this is one of my favorite pieces of merch we've done. 
uh, right here. I should probably put it up the right way. Here it is. Uh, it says, <laughs> now it looks like such a honorable t-shirt um, and maybe even a pro Colin Kaepernick t-shirt. But what it actually says is always remember before Colin Kaepernick took a knee, he lost his job to Blaine Gabbert. And, you know, <laughs> I've said that so many times now. I'm starting to see that in like like there's a sports story about Colin Kaepernick. And in the comments below, people are just putting that phrase in. I love that you're doing that. Please continue to do it. Any sports story, any story you see about Colin Kaepernick, drop that in the comments. Always remember, before Colin Kaepernick took a knee, he lost his job to Blaine Gabbert. We must penetrate the world with that one fact, if nothing else, on this program. But uh, I feel like I've let you down a little bit because... This Colin Kaepernick special is out, and I haven't even been able to watch it yet. I've only watched a few clips. We need to do a full investigation and monologue mocking this nonsense. But let me give you another clip. This, this is the Colin Kaepernick mind at work. It's under a lot of hair, so maybe it's just not working right. Um, but this is his point uh, about 80s television. Watch. Over the years, there have been some very popular TV shows starring black people. These shows share archetypal black characters, including social outcasts who assimilate or conform, like Carlton Banks or Steve Urkel. Wow, you guys have got some real A-list people here. White people love these dudes. Everything from the way they dress, the way they talk. You're our man. Even the way they dance. It's also non-threatening. James Spurlock, but we call him Twofer, because with him you get a two-for-one. He's a black guy and a Harvard guy. These characters have come to be known by the term acceptable Negro. The acceptable Negro is a black character who inhabits white characteristics, who makes white people feel comfortable. The acceptable Negro is a white man's creation. Thing is, white people don't get to decide who's acceptable to us. That is honestly one of the dumbest things I've ever observed as a human being. Steve Urkel and Carlton were the butt of every joke. They were, they were the butt of the jokes. They were the ones everyone made fun of. I don't know if you know this, but Carlton was in a show called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with Will freaking Smith, who went on to make a billion dollars in movies. He was the star of the show. He was the star, not Carlton. He was Carlton was the joke on the show, the one that everyone made fun of because he was an idiot and he was a nerd and he was a loser. It was Will Smith that everyone liked on the show. I could anyone be dumber than Colin Kaepernick? I just don't think it's possible. Back in a second. As we approach Christmas, we have lots of stuff for you at studosmerch.com. We'd love for you to go there and check out all the merch. Um, and these are brand new. They just came in. We have the postcard here for Taliban Joe. If you've never seen these before, it's a person of the year, Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. It's Taliban Joe, our award-winning president. 
Uh, wouldn't you love to receive one of these or send one to someone either you, th- you think is annoying and you want to show them the truth about Joe Biden or someone who is a conservative and is going to love it? Uh, great cr- way to send a Christmas card. Also, this one uh, as well. If you have someone who is um, you need to send a Christmas card to, but they're just I mean, they're maybe they're on the left. Maybe they're just failures in life. Maybe they're really annoying you all the time. It just says a nice Christmas message. You're doing life wrong. That's it. You're doing life wrong. Check it out. Uh, and you can write a message to anyone that you want to wish a wonderful holiday season to. StuDoesMerch.com is the place to go uh, to get them. All right. So here's what happened. A wing order went wrong. Dad brought wings home for his kid. Apparently, they were the wrong flavor. What do you do in that situation? Son goes into the other room. He gets his gun, obviously. Uh, what else are you going to do? He comes back in, points it at his dad. His dad begs for his life. The kid shoots. Luckily, right at that moment, the dad ducked, bullet went over his head, they fought for a while, a couple of shots went into the air, and uh, somehow he lived. So all's well that ends well. If you're just going to give me a second, I need to excuse myself and make sure I understand exactly what my son wants for dinner. <laughs> 